Yep, yep. Drop it. Hi, welcome back to another edition of Eat, Pray, Judge. And today, we will be covering 1991's Cool as Ice, starring Vanilla Ice. 1991, uh, my mother at that time was Murphy Brown, and her favorite show was Murder, She Wrote. Uh, my sister was being babysat by the television set, and uh, her show was Full House. I was probably playing with Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles while Jeffrey Dahmer was playing with 11 boys and young men's dead bodies. 1991. <laughs> That's, that, sounds, that sounds about right. Wow. <laughs> yeah, I think I was 12 years old. Yeah, I was uh, sixth grade. Killing it. First... About, uh, just about to change. Uh-huh, no beard yet. No beard. Horace Mann Elementary, just locking it down. Enjoying all those privileges of making it through pre-K through five. Yeah, you survived. I remember uh, sixth grade, bowl cuts, huge. Yeah. I mean, I definitely rocked a uh, Dorothy Hamill haircut <laughs> for a couple of years there. I had Rex Specs. Mm-hmm. You know? Ruse. Oh, you were rocking Ruse? Maybe not then. I don't know what I was wearing. <laughs> Air Maxes? Sure, Reebok pumps were big. Sure. If we're going to look at 1991 in the U.S., right? one of the big events was we were at war, United States. Was, just uh, just starting. Yeah, Operation Desert Storm. Was it strike first? Desert strike? And then desert, and then it, it, it maturated? Into, it, it, grew, it, it grew up. It matured into Desert Storm? Yeah, man. That was, uh, that was like a, the first war where we were looking at things from the point of view of the missiles. It was the uh, smart bombs and the Patriot missiles. Oh, right. It was te televised. I remember sitting in my, like, apparently, like, the living room just seeing uh, what looked like Basically, a, an Atari twenty six hundred video game. Yeah, just uh, night night vision, uh, nothing too graphic, no. but you got to see the targeting and the bombs going down chimneys. Yeah, in Baghdad. Jeez. Oh, Boris Yeltsin became president. You want to of... lead with the Yelts? <laughs> Love leading with the Yelts, uh, Mister Y. He uh, became the first democratically elected president of the Soviet Union, and almost immediately after that. Uzbekistan, Tajikistan, Kyrgyzstan, Azerbaijan, Ukraine, Moldova, Lithuania, Latvia, Belarus, and Estonia all decided to leave. So it was like uh, the breakup right. of the Wu-Tang Clan. The Federation disarmed, disbanding. Yeah. So uh, that, that led us to the climate that we're in right now. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Desert Strike doesn't really compare with WW3. It was a big a year for geopolitics. Happening. Absolutely. Oh, apartheid ended in mm -hmm. South Africa. I think we can thank Lethal Weapon Part 2 for that. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I didn't even know what apartheid was. Is that what Mandela said? Was he like, I'm, I'm getting too old for this shit? <laughs> <laughs> and they, and they uh, yeah, they released him from jail. And then that same year, uh, Winnie, like, and we saw him as this big hero. Like, you know, he's a... He was a political prisoner, right. he gets out, uh -huh. and now he's running the country. And then immediately after that, uh, I learned about Winnie uh, Mandela going to jail for murdering, like, four kids. Besides the disbanding of the Soviet Union and other really actual important historical events, uh, a man found uh, the first pr printing of the Declaration of Independence uh, inside the, the frame of a $4 painting he bought at a flea market in Pennsylvania. Uh, he sold the actual copy, the original, which seems... Light for two point four million dollars. Mm, but this is nineteen ninety one money. Mm -hmm. Still yeah. a lot of money to uh, you know. That's that's a that's an upgrade. That's a Blair Witch Project type profit. Yeah, uh, not bad. Oh, I'm also him... you know yeah. spawning uh, uh, fifty eight Nicolas Cage movies <laughs> with, uh. one, with one Sunday afternoon purchase with his bored wife. Oh, big Nick Cage fan, man. Mm. Uh, maybe we should do Moonstruck at some point. We should this. do Moonstruck. Yeah, so I'll put that on the list for for later. I would also like to do Matchstick Men. Uh, we, uh, Jeffrey Dahmer, we brought him up a little bit earlier, but um, this was huge. Big news for me in sixth grade. A cannibal killer in Milwaukee. Uh -huh. Yeah, we Is that hitting pretty close to home for you? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we were all riveted. Riveted. Uh, I, no, man, I, I feel like he was just uh, the most um, intriguing real-life supervillain. Supervillain is a bit... He's a, a 
mentally demented serial killer. Yeah. Super villain, you know, he's not creating lasers with shark pools for money. <laughs> he was just offing weird, <laughs> weirded was, out gay men in, in fucking Milwaukee. Yeah, he was just roofing up dudes in clubs. Yeah. Taking them home just and letting, snacking. Yeah, letting some, when that one guy got away, the Asian dude. I That's mean, such a heartbreaking story. So fucked up. So you drilled a hole in a guy's head. He poured uh, acid in there. The guy gets out of the apartment. He's completely disoriented, and the police pick him up. And the guy, the, the victim, was a minor at the time. He was. He was like 16, 17 years old or something. And the cops uh, at the time, you know, cops weren't very woke back then. They just thought it was like a, a gay lover uh, squabble. Yeah. And they handed the, uh, the victim back off to Jeffrey Dahmer, who immediately, once they left, he killed the victim and proceeded to eat him. Yeah. Imagine how those cops must feel. Well, I think they got, I'm, I'm not sure about this, but they most likely got fired after that. Mm. And it became like an HR lesson that you, you give to incoming cops. Oh, yeah. Like, uh, if you see someone with a drill hole bored in their head and uh, they're, they're coming to you for help, yep. don't hand them back off. So the guy with the, gla- the weird glasses <laughs> and the creepy smile. Yeah. The guy who seems like he's on the spectrum and who's like licking his chops and rubbing his belly. And dressed like he worked, like he sold computers at Commodore. On the lighter side of things, Pee Wee Herman... Um, you know, a, another childhood icon. Oh, yeah. Got caught uh, whacking off in a movie theater. What What else are you supposed to do in a jerk-off theater? I mean, what were they expecting to happen or to find? I wonder if... Was he just like, yeah, that's... Like, we caught you jerking off. He's like, yep, I was in a movie theater showing pornography. <laughs> right. I wouldn't have got caught if you didn't use those uh, night, vi- <laughs> night vision cameras. <laughs> for those pesky kids. <laughs> uh, Bill Gates borrowed a book. From uh, borrowed a book called Business Adventures, a uh, book written by John Brooks. He borrowed the book from Warren Buffett. He has still never returned it. So if Warren Buffett is uh, charging late fees... Yeah, what would the vig on uh, Bill Gates's <laughs> private <laughs> library fee be? Yeah, I, I mean, I would charge a lot. Those guys play golf together, and they yeah. bet $3 for the entire round of golf, where people that bet, like, thousands of dollars, sometimes probably millions of dollars a match or a whole yeah. rich people, these guys who are richer than anybody on earth. Uh, bet nothing and everyone's like oh that's so cool they bet so little i'm like that's almost condescending no when i see rich people who are uh, not doing anything useful with their money yeah like i don't think it's quirky i just i'm like why do we live in a world where they're allowed to have that much money i mean i agree with that but those two dudes i don't think you can be uh they're not they're they're pretty philanthropic human beings I mean, they have more money than they need, than anyone needs. I don't know. Anybody sitting on a pile of gold is probably a vampire. Except for Scrooge McDuck, who is a duck. Who is a duck and yeah. not a vampire. And he can swim in it, so I understand why. The only vampire duck I know is Count Duckula. <laughs> <laughs> Take that. Uh, Terminator 2 came out, by the way. Which was the movie that I've still to this day seen the most in a theater. Oh, I'd never seen Cool as Ice in the theater, but Terminator I, 2, yep. how many times do you think you saw it in the theater? I saw it four times. Okay, you beat me. I saw it three times. I saw it. Theater. I saw it. Did you really? Yeah. I saw it the first night it premiered. We got tickets somehow, and it was standing room only. And I stood as a kid for the entire movie, and then like kneeled and stood. Went back three times in that month. Saw it like. And it's a, like a two and a half hour long. movie. It was long, dude. Yeah. Yeah. But I mean, you know, I was a I was a vibrant young young kid. Stamina. Still spry. Stamina and spades. ADHD full on. <laughs> Just I could post. I could post the fuck up. Like nobody's business. Uh, I saw Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves that year. I saw that too. Yeah, Morgan Friedman killing it. Like that, love that movie with his shkimitar. Yeah, uh, yeah. None held a candle. I mean, Terminator Two to this day still one of my one of my favorite all time movies. Yeah, it's watchable. A uh, terrible movie I saw that I think ended my childhood definitively that year was Hook. I never saw that. Dustin Hoffman as a. Uh, it was Dustin Hoffman Captain as Hook. Captain Hook, yeah. and it was Robin Williams as Peter Pan. Yeah, that's weird. I felt like there was a bait and switch. I wanted okay. to go see a swashbuckling, really fun uh, Peter Pan. Instead, I saw Robin Williams having a midlife crisis and trying to regain his childhood. That's and a movie that I've actually never seen yeah. to this day. No, it's. I don't it's know what a, about it. It's a bummer. And you know what it is? It's actually as 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 odd as this may sound. It was aesthetically the picture of Dustin Hoffman on the movie cover. Yeah. Weirded me out. Uh, I did, however, see Cool as Ice in the theater. They okay. gave our entire sixth grade class free passes at Horseman Elementary to go see the movie in DC at, at four thousand or one of those theaters. Yeah. And uh, you know, like twenty five of us went. For sure. Yeah. You have to. Why did? Why not? Do you know my night. my movie theater in <laughs> fifth grade sent me uh, gave us tickets to go see Prancer. 
I went to a Catholic school, and it was Christmas time. Okay. So we saw Prancer in the theater, and I, that was another film that totally bummed me out. Prancer. It's about one of uh, Santa Claus's Oh, I know, I know. Yeah, I get that part. Ends up on Earth, maybe lost, and uh, gets taken care of by, like, a like a young, precocious uh, girl. Yeah. It's a little bit like the same story as E.T. Okay. Only Elliot is a girl in Prancer. Okay. And it's not an alien. It's a reindeer. Directly targeted at Christian children. <laughs> my relationship with vanilla ice yeah is i remember christmas that year my two aunts that were kind of estranged from the family yeah both two of them came to visit and they both gave us uh, my brother and i copies of vanilla ices to the extreme and mc hammers you can't touch this on cassette and i probably still have both of these in mint condition really in in a box somewhere in DC because we didn't listen to either of these. Yeah. And it was it, it felt like like we were getting toys. Right. <laughs> like the music was marketed to yeah, like, infants. Yeah, and yeah, exactly. And teenage girls, I guess. Yeah. Uh no, but yeah, nursery like, you know, rhymes, rhyme, <laughs> rhyme schemes. Uh and I got to say something. I tried to listen to, to hey, Kate, uh, don't hold back. Here. Vanilla Ice recently, uh and by recently I mean today, just to see uh, if without all the cultural baggage of him having been overexposed at that time, if like the music stood on its own, mm. and it's not that bad, it's not great. Like I'm not gonna put it on in a party, but uh, I, I the, some be... of the beats were fine. It reminded me of of uh, a more carefree time in hip hop. Yeah, and uh, yeah, it's 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 okay. Yeah, I mean, who knows what he whether he wrote his own lyrics, which I'm probably I'm, I'm doubting. One of his yeah. like four flunkies in the background, backup dancers with the high top fades, probably did. But yeah, my hot take though is just just wasn't that bad. Yeah, sure. I mean, you know what? As a you know, I, me and you were both big hip hop fans. We grew up in like in my my opinion the the golden age of of hip hop, especially right. from like a lyrical standpoint. Well, um, I was already done with him because uh, in 1989, <laughs> I had I'd been burned one too many times by the Tone Lokes kid in plays. And, yeah, uh, I was never into those guys. And uh, ever and uh, young MCs of the world. Sure, like you know the songs were catchy. The young MC, uh, whatever th- that song was called, and Vanilla Ice, like they were catchy tracks. Like it was just like you're, you know, you're, as a kid, you're gonna love it because like the beats were awesome. It's like one of the, I, the two first tapes I was ever given were by my dad, and he got me uh, Jimi Hendrix, Axis, Bold as Love in third or fourth grade, and Run DMC, Raising Hell because I think he was like rhyming, kids will like it. He's like, I think it's fun. Right. So those were the two. That's how I was exposed to hip hop. Was that that album? Um, and yeah, I mean, and then, you know, as, as, a, as that, at that age, whatever's catchy, you're going to listen to it. Whatever comes on the radio. Casey Kasem was telling me what to do. In sixth grade, Guns N' Roses was so much more applicable. That's my favorite. Heavy metal and rock, Metallica, was so much, uh, more interesting than, uh, Vanilla Ice's lyrics about how good a dancer he was, or a lot of, like, this sort of, uh, uh, sanitized rap. Just a corny, corny vibe in general. Was like, this is how good I am at rhyming. Yep. Uh, I'm really good at dancing. Right. And I'm great with the honeys. And I don't, you know, I, I still uh, hadn't gone through puberty yet. Yeah. So the honeys, it didn't matter. But like that being said, uh, I'd also experienced two live crew and ice right. tea in 89. And those guys were like so. Oh, much more graphic. Yeah, that I could un- I could understand. It also was cool to listen to like dudes curse. That's what it was, dudes cursing for me. The two albums that at, at like you know between like eighty seven or you know eighty eight and eighty nine between this that age of my life and even you know into ninety one, that two albums that sort of changed my mentality as far as music was concerned were Appetite for Destruction and uh, Stranded at Compton. Right, like those shifted my entire uh, mainframe. Right, because when you listen Straight Out of Compton, it feels like uh, there's an adventure happening. Yeah, like there, there's action. Uh, th- there's action that's relate, not relatable in that that's my life, but no. relatable as in they're painting a cinematic image, right? Of like living life as outlaws. I also feel like it appeals to city kids in a way where it doesn't, you know, not, not necessarily to everyone as much as like hip hop at that age. Like I could, you know, it, it made sense to me. I don't know why I was drawn to it almost immediately for yeah, whatever they just, reason. They were just funny dudes. Yeah, and it was just like the rhymes <laughs> were hilarious, and it was just like <laughs> you fucking. I, it just worked. And yeah. I was like, I like this a lot. And then, like, I think 91, like, Cypress Hill's album came out, and that shit was amazing to me. Absolutely. First concert I ever saw with those dudes. Cypress Hill and Black Sunday. 
Queen. No, uh, uh, what was it was called? Uh, just called Cypress Hill. That's right. That's self self titled. Yeah, and it was awesome. Still to this day, man. If I hear fucking uh, how I could just kill a man, that shit gets, get, I get hyped up. Yo, sixth grade. I, I do have to say, I probably had like one pair of Aladdin pants. Uh, did you really? I did not. <laughs> Hell yeah, dude. I loved it. I liked a lot of classic rock at, at that time, and then just hip hop and classic rock were all, all I would listen to. Yeah. And then like at some point, you know, some punk rock albums, mostly DC groups like Bad Brains and Minor Threat. I wasn't that cool yet. Yeah. I was still listening to um, I didn't. Yeah. Uh, Faith No More, uh, a little bit of Metallica. Metallica, my cousin put me on to at a young age. Red Hot Chilies. Van Halen, even when I was like super young, like 5150. A musical awakening for both of us. Informative, shape sh- shaping. All right, so let's hop into Cool as Ice, starring Vanilla Ice. Uh, if you haven't seen the movie, a brief synopsis is we've got uh, Vanilla Ice. We're just going to call him V.I., V.I. is a touring musician with his posse, and they take uh, bicycles. <laughs> That's a lie. Not bicycles. They take <laughs> very flamboyantly colored motorcycles yeah. from town to town, from gig to gig, and uh, they get a flat tire or some sort of mechanical problems with one of the bikes. Uh, and while they're in this town waiting for the bike to get repaired, Vanilla Ice, the big V.I., finds a romantic love interest in the form of Catherine Winslow, uh, and he has to woo her. She's a high school senior uh, on her way to college. Uh, it's uh, right around summertime, and her dad happens to be in the witness protection program, and he's being chased by two dirty cops that want to blackmail him, and uh, they end up kidnapping uh, his son, Catherine Winslow's brother, and Vanilla Ice has to step in and be a hero and save the son while wooing and seducing Catherine. It's like an adventurous uh, rom-com slash music video. <laughs> <laughs> That's generous. And jumping into the movie, uh, it's starring Michael Gross as the dad. Alex P. Keaton's dad. That's right. So you may know Michael Gross from Family Ties. Correct. And the other star of the movie is Catherine Winslow is played by, oh, Kristen Minter. Right. Yeah, so she's been in a, on a ton of TV shows and a ton of movies. Oh, um, is she? I, I, don't, I don't recognize her at all. Uh, you know, I was going to say, like her Wikipedia page says, uh, you may remember her from Cool as Ice, uh-huh. which is kind of a bummer that that's the highlight of her career. But um, she's been on 72 episodes of ER. So I respect any actor that's just been working. Yeah, I mean, that's... Like, she's been working for forever. That's much more what she should be known for. Yeah, she's doing fine. Uh, the original person that was supposed to play that role and was cast was Gwyneth Paltrow, uh, <laughs> whose dad would not... Told, advised against it. He goes, I think that would be a terrible idea. Right, because of the graphic yeah. uh, seduction or, scenes. you know, just the overall acting uh, and the storyline. Well, they had no idea, I think, like, what, what was going to happen with this, and... Uh, one, I, I want to bring up the, the director, uh, David Kellogg, isn't really known for much other than music videos and commercials. Yeah, you get that vibe for sure. But the guy who actually uh, came out the, the best out of this whole thing was the cinematographer Yanis uh, Kaminsky. And Yanis Kaminsky went on to uh, be the cinematographer for Schindler's List, mm-hmm. Saving Private Ryan, and Minority Report. So... We might look at this movie as terrible, but, like, this dude's cinematic, like, style right. is best suited for dystopias, carnage on the beach, and the Holocaust. He's great at doing cinematography for the Holocaust. Right. That's that's something. That's the... Wow. Really quickly, there's yeah. one person that was sort of, like, I couldn't believe when I saw their name in the credits. is uh, Shep Gordon, who's, like, a talent manager, and it, it was involved in, in music initially, uh... He became Alice Cooper's agent. He worked with, you know, Jimi Hendrix, Teddy Pendergrass, Luther Vandross, the Rolling Stones. Uh, and then he was sort of the guy that brought on the advent of, like, the, the celebrity chef because he was very into food. So he put a lot of those guys on. Yeah. So he's actually, there's a, there's a really cool uh, biography on him or, like, a biopic documentary called The Life of a Supermensch, which I recommend you check out. But he was actually a producer, which I'm sure he'd like to forget. Like, okay. A bunch, of, yeah. a bunch of swings and one miss. Dude, these guys all thought this was going to be a huge cash grab. B- it, bingo. And it 100% was not. It came out in October 1991, and uh, Cool as I, uh, yeah, Ice Ice Baby dropped 
in September 1990. Right. So, like, a year and a month later, this movie came out. Right. And it was, like, slapdash put together. So we can get into, like, why uh, it didn't work. I mean, it's got an 8% rating on Rotten Tomatoes. Yeah. I mean, it was it was all it was awful. <laughs> it was uh, they the budget I think was six million and they yeah. finished they grossed uh, under two million. Yeah, and I mean, like I said, my sixth grade class got thirty free tickets to go see it. it like was, they're like, please see yeah, this movie, like, please, please. Oh God. So uh, we can we can definitely talk about how it's a, how it's a, a terrible movie subjectively. But I I found I, you know let's just go through it because there are moments that that did strike me as as watchable. I love that you think that. That's and great. Like the so the opening of the movie is uh, it works best when it is just a music video. Yeah. And the opening of the movie has this like everybody dance now like yeah. CNC Music Factory mm-hmm. vibe to it. And we get a young Naomi Candle, Campbell. Ooh, she just can't dance, I don't think. No, man. And she's definitely not singing. <laughs> she's doing some great lip singing, syncing, and she uh, she looks great. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then the graphics, cool as ice, come on the screen, and it, they they look like they belong on a Trapper Keeper. Oh, 100%. The like, neonness. I love the, that aesthetic, those pastels, those yeah. cool blues, those hot pinks. I thought it was like the opening ceremony for, as a DC kid, would be like the, the Bama Olympics. <laughs> Also, I don't think any opening scene in a movie ever has probably been more prone to give people epileptic seizures. <laughs> Dude, what is up? <laughs> so that like late 80s, early 90s hip-hop dancing is so aerobic. Yeah. It, and also, in my, in my opinion, one of the corniest clothing trends of all time. Well, like that, like, you wrote corny. I wrote uh, a clothes crazy flamboyant for the crowd's yeah, enjoyment. Like, like peacock. <laughs> like some peacock. <laughs> Fucking dancers. No, they all look like like uh, if you watch David Attenborough, uh, Life or World, no, or, BBC uh, Earth documentaries. Yeah, love, yeah, love like they, they, he's got one bit on uh, Birds of Paradise, mm. and just like the male birds doing their their peacock just dance. showing. Yes, just and showing out. <laughs> all of these clothes <laughs> just remind me of those nature documentaries. Oh, dude, yeah, they all look like you know, uh, like United Colors of Benetton cock- cockatoos. <laughs> In the rainforest, the male must do his mating dance. He shaves a brick into the back of his head. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah. The style is hilarious. Uh, so that's, like, one of the best. Actually, I was, in, I was in. Once I saw that scene, I thought, okay, this movie might have some potential. I didn't mind the song. I liked the dancing. And But what I didn't get was that this was actually It was a, all downhill from there. <laughs> yeah. Well, I also, like, unclear writing. I didn't know that this was a show. That uh, Vanilla Ice and his crew were actually um, performers at an underground rap club in what looked like to be the, the Mojave Desert. Yeah, I thought that they were. I thought that they were just party kids. Yeah, uh, you know, he meets Monique. Monique doesn't give him money. Mm-mm. She's not an agent. She's not a manager. I needed a little bit more realism visually to tell me that that, that this is their job. So the next scene we have is them on their motorbikes, right? Just driving across this in the desert, barren landscape. Exactly. And uh, no luggage. No nothing. No musical gear. Just one set of clothes. Yeah. They're wearing one set of clothes. And then you actually brought up uh, that this is a, a movie is based on the Wild One. Correct. The Marlon Brando classic. <laughs> and I, I wrote down Wild One and Easy Rider. Sure. And I was like, so- soft-ass motorcycle yeah. gang from uh, the 90s. Right. Like, what, ha- what happened? Not the Hell's Angels. No, these guys would never run into the Sons of Anarchy crew. No, they wouldn't. They would. It wouldn't even be a an issue. Yeah. Uh, so they his so they, DJ, by the way, for his crew, it was um, the same DJ from CB4, DJ D's. And I fear. Like, I know uh, that dude. Fear of a black hat. Sure. He's in both those movies. That that makes sense. Uh. So it, yeah. <laughs> so the crew is driving along on their bikes. And uh, we we get to see uh, Vi's personality when um... <laughs> I still not I, no, <laughs> I keep forgetting what you're referencing. Yeah, his crew was VIP. Vi Wachowski. Yeah, Vanilla Ice Posse. <laughs> <laughs> we we can call him Vi Wachowski. VIP. VIP. Let's kick it. He uh, so we see his personality because he's like driving along, showboating, and then um, uh, to the periphery, there's a. There's a girl riding a horse. Yeah. And I think you're about to see what, in my opinion, was the worst set of pickup moves on the <laughs> face of the planet. Like, you 
<laughs> Are you kidding me, dude? He's an OJ Pua. OG Pua. You shoot, do a weird bike move to knock a girl off of her horse, and no. then you make, and then she hits you rightfully so, and then you say she hits like a girl. Yeah. No, this is straight out of like the mystery pickup artist textbook. Yeah. This is chapter two. She had some uh, some some solid Ioni Sky from Say Anything vibes, right? That is correct. Yeah, I like tying things together, Gabe. No, she's definitely the an overachiever. Yeah. And uh, when when I saw him uh, try try these moves, like a cartoon villain out of like a Fast and the Furious series, he uh, his strategy for for getting the girls like pull the pigtails. You know. Yeah, bingo. It's very like, it's very, very uh, sixth grade ish. Yeah, super sure. juvenile. Ridiculous. So I, I, I can't see any girl over 15 falling for these tactics. Yeah, how old is he supposed to be, by the way? Well, she is, if she's a college senior, she's got to be 17. No, high school senior. That's right. Yeah, 17. So he is a uh, traveling bard. <laughs> right. Minstrel. <laughs> he's, a, he's literally a traveling minstrel. Yeah, who has no, I mean, he's like non-age specific. Yeah. Uh, yeah, this whole movie, I mean, I'm not, I'm going to say this probably eight more times during this <laughs> recording, makes zero fucking sense at any point. Like, it is like a funhouse mirror of garbage that well, keeps happening. Uh, so the, but I want you to defend it. No, you know, okay, okay. This is how I'm going to defend it, though. The, uh, it's beautifully shot up to this point. It's not, yeah, it's not well bad. edited. So editing and shooting are totally different. Acting is... The, the acting He, he is, specifically brings, the, I mean, like, they're not even, everyone else, is, the surrounding cast is okay. His acting is wooden. It's, I mean, it's it, he sounds he's a, semi-retarded. <laughs> he's a chiseled face with no good dialogue. Yeah, and just no ability to care. To... Well, like, like no one. I mean, he has lines like, uh, like, uh, yup, yup. He says yup, yup. Yeah, they're all like a bunch of times. They're like fucking. It's like, uh, like the mascot for a for a kids' breakfast cereal. But I can ding him on not uh, putting more of himself into the role into not uh, improving or pushing to have more lines. But if he's just reading what's written on the page, that is the responsibility of the writers. I think, in all honesty, this guy had no uh, ability to manage his own career. Everyone else sort of orchestrated and puppeteered him into what he was. So I feel like the, everyone that made this movie was like, take as much away from him as possible. Just put him <laughs> on the thing. Let him say one line. If you look at every line, like they have cutscenes, it's just him. And he says something and he goes, <laughs> no. And yeah, it's just like it's cut. it's it's ridiculous, right? And once so yeah, it, they're not letting him do anything. That, like, that was my guess. I've least. I've done some editing too, and like we've I've right. shot things where there where it's a lot of it's based on improv, mm -hmm. and it, and then once the editors put it together, it seems like we're making sense. Mm -hmm. But uh, I can see watching this, having already gone through that process, that this film was incredibly edited. It makes sense. I mean, of... they had no. I mean, they, they could literally cut it to nothing. Like, I'm surprised they got more than 33 minutes of footage out of that whole thing. I mean, he. They were like, <laughs> I can just imagine one scene when he was like, "All right, we need you to say yup," and he's like, "You know what, man? I'm gonna say yup twice." And they were like, "Sure, Vanilla, <laughs> do it." So he gets to the. Uh, he gets to this garage. Oh well, the the reason he goes to the garage is that uh, the crew is driving through these suburban streets and. I think the joke is that all the white people are, are shocked. To yeah, see, that uh, slow scene when everyone's jaw dropped. Yeah, everyone's jaw is dropping. I think they were just shocked to see black people. Right, right. Well, and then black people on neon on green, green Kawasaki <laughs> ninja motorcycles yeah. covered in like Keith Haring designs. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, so the bike gets uh, uh, messed up and they end up at this garage that's like a Pee Wee's Playhouse. So it was a garage. This is another thing that I want you to explain to me. Again, right. I felt like everything was a fever dream. Honestly, I kept waking up and it like I don't know, I, I don't know what's going on. It looked like a camp that had been set up at Burning Man. It didn't really <laughs> look like it, it didn't look like a residence that you could have like right. in, in a city with like any sort of ordinance. Um, Agreed. Yeah, so so there's clearly the neighbors don't care about zoning, and they're just gonna let these people build this freakish uh, dark carnival garage slash house in their neighborhood. Um, and uh, the uh, the mechanic and his wife are incapable of fixing the motorcycle, so they t they tear it entire they tear it apart, and uh, now v Vi and his posse, the VIPs, mm -hmm. are stuck uh, in this town indefinitely. Gotcha. And uh, we see Vanilla Ice uh, rehearsing some dance moves. Um, 
he and his crew kind of like being in this uh, carnival. They feel tough. Uh, garage. They're fine. Yeah. yeah. They're making disgusting sandwiches Yeah, what to eat. was that? Sardines yeah. and pickles? Again, th- this is like the lowest uh, common denominator type jokes that are geared towards little kids mm-hmm. that like gross out humor. This is like double dare humor, oh, you're, you're, where they're ma- where they're eating like a uh, white bread sandwiches with Cheetos, pickles, and anchovies on right. them. Right, and then they have those like the, the girls looking at those blue eggs. Yeah, and she pour the, 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 with the ridiculously oversized salt shakers and all that craziness. So tone wise, what the tone of this film is already off because we start with like a legitimate music video, then we move to like bad boys on motorcycles. And flirting with uh, like a Pee Wee's Playhouse type vibe. Well, yeah, we, we go we go from like him flirting with women and yeah. it possibly being a rom com or some uh, even some love just story. even a straight romance to now this insane like uh, distorted funhouse mirror. Yeah, uh, even I mean the music they put on when that scene occurred was so bizarre and like childish circus circusy music and it was it just very strange. Yeah, so so like this I mo- guess that's what it was. So they were targeting to like really young kids, man. <clears throat> yeah, it's like this movie didn't know what it wanted to be, and the first three scenes show like uh, schizophrenia, right, in tone. Uh, and then <laughs> my 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 big question um, is vanilla vanilla ice vi has already been up all night. He's then ridden his motorcycle through the day in the hot desert sun, and he immediately goes and finds the girl whose pigtails he pulled, yeah. and uh, negs her and her boyfriend. Yeah, just clowns him. Yeah, just, yo, why don't you drop this that uh, zero and get with this hero? Great line. Um, and I'm thinking, has he taken a shower? No. Has he taken a nap? I don't even know where he had, does he have other clothes? Right. Well, he, he changes outfits constantly. Yes, yeah, But where does he keep the clothes? The Ed Hardy of 1991. Dude, I, 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 Vanilla Ice looks like an exclamation point. <laughs> <laughs> Dressed in a leather jacket with a fanny pack and bicycle shorts on. <laughs> that's really what, I mean, that's, that's exactly what he wore. Yeah, and, and I gotta say, I, like, I was okay with that. Like, that aesthetic to me took me back to seeing The Adventures of Ford Fairlane. It took me back to Pee Wee Herman. It took me back to, um, like, The Pest with John Leguizamo. Oh, man, yeah. And, uh, Which also opened with a rap uh, scene. Yeah. He, he feels, Leguizamo's was much better. He feels like the, uh, the proto, um, uh, like, Ali G, almost. Sure. You know, in some <laughs> ways, like, Ali G, like, uh, is this uh, wrecking ball that just shows up in, uh, in everyday contexts. And because he seems like a weirdo or an alien, he gets people to, like, reveal who they really are. Yeah. And this, that's what Vanilla Ice could have been in this movie. Like, he's an alien that lands in this suburban landscape. But the writing just wasn't there. Like, there are glimpses of it. And I could see... Uh, I actually think that this character um, went on to become better things. Like, I think Ali G maybe even came from Vanilla Ice and Cool as Ice. Wow. Interesting interesting take. That's my conspiracy theory Okay. This. So they're stuck in this town. He wants to get the girl. So he steals... Again, after, like, knocking her off her horse, calling her, effectively, a pussy. So he steals her planner in order to, you know, like, figure out a way to keep seeing her and, uh, you know, get in there. Right. That's a great way to ingratiate yourself with someone is to just uh, take their identity. Like, imagine if I just snatched your smartphone right now. Yeah. Which is basically your real brain at this point. (laughs) I mean, that's where we keep all of our, like, uh, our selfies, all the dick pics... Um, my entire Google calendar is on there. All my notes for this podcast. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, I I can't imagine that that would, uh, make anyone excited outside of sort of having a panic attack. Weirdly was digging on everything this weirdo did. Yeah. He was like a a 10-year-old kid flirting. So the first thing he does is he, he jumps, um, across the road and recklessly spooks her horse. She gets thrown off the horse. That's how, um, Christopher Reeves... Uh, was paralyzed. That's well, tr- very so true. He could have turned her into a paraplegic doing that. Then he goes and he he steals her planner, uh-huh. and, and then he disses her boyfriend in front of her and him. Yep. So uh, power moves. Winning. I'm telling you, dude. This is like the the hidden chapter from the mystery method. Agreed. <laughs> um. All right. So he's a creep. Yeah. And then, then go ahead. Oh well. Then. He, uh, he sh- like, her little brother sees him and immediately falls in love with him. Loves him. 
Yeah. Can't get enough. Right. And he makes uh, deep eye contact with the boy, and he's like, what up, little man? Mm. And then the mom the mom shows up, and uh, and he, he calls the young, the young-looking mom, uh, ma'am, and is, like, overly polite with her. So I'm like, again, the tone that this guy has, like, I, I don't know if I trust V.I., Mm-hmm. Like he's ma- he's making too many uh, real connections and with he ha- like young Eddie boys, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and 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 dissing the parents, dissing the mom, just dissing all of suburbia. And we get uh, we get the Michael Gross character uh, has two criminals that are after him. Yeah, that little backstory, the subplot, that kind of like or not the subplot that actually ends up being. I mean, it's the it's like the it's the the high stakes focus of the film. It's this the conflict. Is where, all the danger and conflict really come from these two gangsters, uh, ex-cops, I guess, that are uh, chasing Michael Gross. Yeah. Uh, they're hunting him down. They found him. Uh, it reminded me of, like, a uh, cartoonish version of the history of violence. Right. Well, they, they, they randomly, I don't know why they're in the town, but they see him. They yeah. see him on TV, and then they head to the town, right? Because they're doing some kind of expose on his, like, uh, overachieving daughter. Yes. So that's how they uh, fi- find him. So he's an ex-cop. Who ended up being the witness witness protection program for basically uh, being Serpico, you know? And I am gonna say then that this movie was the origin of history of violence. Then there'd be no a history of violence without this movie. <laughs> I hope that's not true, but yeah. <laughs> um, so that's the conflict, and then you know, there's like the dude. Then we we get to my favorite scene after that, though. Okay, we get to the club. All right, and this is straight out of oh, like man. Beastie Boys. You got to fight for your right to I party. I 100% agree with uh, that. This is straight out of like. As a matter of fact, that's exactly where that came from. Yeah, this the is. The band and everything was per, like jacked right from that. Video. Old, this is old school, like late 80s, like bullies versus nerds, and the bullies are still the heroes. Yeah. Because this club is just like, there's a, there's a sad band playing, and then. What? VI and his posse? They pull the plug. Just jack them off stage. Jack them off <laughs> stage. <laughs> All the way off. Um, yeah, man. And they pull the plug, and then they're like, all right, now it's our turn. Like, how you know, how would you feel if you were in a gig? You're out there trying to make that money. You're in the middle of your show. You're doing your art. And some dude just comes up there like a, like Apollo style. Not great. With a big cane. Yeah. And just dances on stage. <laughs> cane hooks you off the stage. Uh, uh, not, not, not good. Self-esteem would be plummeting. As if high school kids <laughs> need the help, right? <laughs> perpetuating bad stereotypes uh yep so he performs she becomes enthralled right he, this is bad where he does boy. his he does his uh, super birds of paradise uh mating dance yeah it just does that like back and forth leg kick shit um so then she obviously is, is enamored with this guy for whatever reason you know then obviously the boyfriend gets more and more jealous and annoyed with him so the next scene i think is like bill ice on his bike driving by a bar uh, and enters the probably you sees these guys you know the jocks or whoever they were like the town cool guys, uh, you know, hitting uh, a bike with bikes with bats. So yeah. they come up and, and and you know he's like, what are you guys doing? And yeah, dude, like, how uncool, man! Property damage is never cool. It's a bad idea. Don't do it. it don't mess like, with a man's bike. Don't ever. Don't lean on a guy's car. Don't hit a guy's bike with a bat. They were like, we're messing up the bike. What does it look like? And he was like, that's my homeboy's bike. All right. And this scene is lacking all of the finesse and choreography that I would have wanted to see. It was actually laughably bad choreography, <laughs> uh, fight-wise. It looked like, first of all, that dude, just, yeah, it was it was slow, cumbersome movements. Yeah. Also, one-punch knockouts. Uh, does Vanilla Ice is not an action hero, and so I don't see why, again, the, again this shift in tone. It's like, is he going to be, like, best friend of this little boy? Is he going to be living in this Pee Wee's Playhouse, like, funhouse garage? Um, uh, Are we going to watch him perform music? Like, why do we need to see him uh, fight these dudes? We don't. It's just furthering his tough guy image. Yeah. It's like a a hero hero making And it's like, if you you can't commit to to be that to its most, then don't do it. Like, I think that that was the downfall of his, like, career in general. Uh, Like I was saying earlier, I don't care about his music. I don't think it's that bad. Mm -hmm. But it's more that... um, I think he he got played out because it seemed like he wasn't authentic, right? You know, and and it's these situations like this where it's like, I genuinely would have watched him be a Nickelodeon hero. Like okay. if they had just put him around kids the whole time, it would he would have been fine. Yeah, they could have gone that way. <laughs> it would have been a better movie. Yeah. 
for sure. <laughs> yeah, like a like like uh, him and his gang of motorcycle riders would have been a, a cartoon that you could serialize. Like they could have been like a hip hop A team. Yeah, they went from town to town, definitely like solving problems, or at least like an animated short, like the uh, Mr. T stuff. Yeah, Mr. T cartoon. I'd watch the Vanilla Ice Mr. Like Mr. T cartoon crossover. Sure, that would have been fantastic. So after the whack beat up, yeah, comes uh, the... fighting. He he takes her, puts her on a bike. Yeah, and they go to this uh, sort of like the, these these houses that are in development and have the most most sexually awkward like discussion. Mm-hmm. And you know, just be true to yourself. I I want to say, and I'm not saying gay in like a um, derogatory way. Gay is in like this is like the gayest music video I've ever seen. Like Murphy, like uh, like George Michaely. It's very platonic feeling. It feels like uh, the type of the the background music is music that I would hear in a, in like a, the haircuttery in DC and Dupont Circle when I was a little kid getting my <laughs> getting like five dollar kid haircuts. Yeah, and that was like the gayest part of town at the time. Sure, and like. So there, it's not hip hop in the background. It's like romantic music. Yeah, and it's just bizarre. Like they like you know they're chasing each other around the, he, the, un, the undeveloped house. Dude, and... he's wearing bicycle shorts and like a and like a stussy <laughs> shirt tucked in. <laughs> and he's got a backwards fanny pack on, and yeah. they're just romping and frolicking in yeah. slow motion. His hair's blow dried. I mean, she is. There's no sexual con- connection or chemistry. Uh, no, not at all. It's just super awkward. And then, like at the end of that, like they're like hanging out, and they, they walk off like lacrosse bros. Like he has his arm around her. Like mm-hmm. they just like finished a, a, like a, a intramural game. She's like, "Where are you from?" And he's like, "It's not where you're from. It's where you're at." He said that a bunch of times in his career. Yep. I, I yep, watched. Yep, yep, yep. I watched the Arsenio Hall interview where Arsenio yeah Hall basically just laid into him for a bunch of fabrication. It's a honestly, I would watch that if I were you. It's it's funny. Yeah, but yeah, man. He's like a cartoon character. <laughs> No, and, and, and like I, a kid who you could tell totally just got sort of manipulated into like you know a money machine for all these other people. Yeah. So uh, that, but that that scene, I gotta say though, that scene, uh, the one thing I thought about was like that jacket from Cool as Ice belongs in the Smithsonian next yeah. to the Indiana Jones jacket. Yep. Like that's the that was the best. It, he looks like a European tourist that got rolled around in like America dust. <laughs> So it's we go we go from the construction yeah. to like cuts of like the desert and that's like the desert where Red Hot Chili Peppers filmed Give It Give It Away Now sure and then from there we go to like wheat fields uh huh all over just uh, Pan America <laughs> it's like a disc- yeah it's it's they fall in love over the course of a day over yeah not yeah not even after he you know berates her and steals from her again the one thing I'm thinking about this whole time is it, has he showered no and then have they eaten. They don't. They, they spend the entire day in this abandoned construction site, right? Which is not the best Tinder date I can think of. No, that might be the worst Tinder date. Yeah, like you're gonna get tetanus. <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right. So after that ridiculousness, like this movie, like there's not there's not much else. There's a weird a home aloneish kidnapping <laughs> scene. So what happens is like the the, the, the cops the, the crooked cops that. Alex P. Keaton's dad ratted out want uh, revenge. Yeah. So they kind of break into the house. The kid's playing like 10-yard fight or some like Nintendo game. And uh, he's the only one alone. He's like this 8-year-old kid. And they kidnap him. Yeah, this scene could have been terrifying if it wasn't in this movie. But it was like laughably like yeah. Home Alone was more dramatic. Yes. By far. Uh, so they take like, oh, look what we have here. They take the kid. I, and I kept writing down like no stakes. There's no stakes. Nothing's happening. There's just, it's like I'm not. I'm never uh, worried. Yeah, I was <laughs> or already excited. Sh- like I was already shook of them. They could have just like they made their point. They could have just left town. Completely needless child abduction scene. And uh, the lack of communication skills between Michael Gross and Vi are uh, astonishing. Yeah. Like Michael Gross is like, "Did you? Are you working with these criminals?" And he's like, "Man, that's whack." Like. Yeah. Like, just answer a question. <laughs> it's like Britney Spears' dad talking to Kevin Federline. <laughs> yeah. Did you, uh, are you responsible for this kidnapping? Why are you always on my case? Why are you tripping? Yeah. Why are you tripping? I'm like, it, all you have to say is no. Yeah. I, I, I'm, not, I'm not aware of what's happening. He didn't say no ever. Instead, he's like, yo, check out this cassette. I'm going to give you this cassette that's got the kid that, that has the kidnappers, like, voices on it. No, but yeah, you can't even like he. No, it's just the kid's voice, oh, and yeah, then right, they right. pick it up because they, you know, like they have to replay. It and he's like, 
I recognize that noise. That's that thing from that uh, place that we dry humped. It's like the spec house. <laughs> of course, and this is another scene that shows the skill that he has. Music. He's musical. Why don't, like, stick to the things that you're good at? The whole movie should have been him rapping, dancing, and making music. Not fighting, not being a detective, not being a hero. What the director was trying to, like, show, show and prove here. Um, so uh, he yeah. figures out where they are. Yes. They bust into, like, the that little, like, housing development that they're building. And With his echolocation skills. <laughs> Vanilla Dolphin, Ice is like, like an albino bat. Instinctual. <laughs> He's like, I, I recognize that sound anywhere. And he literally just, uh, you know, finds them, the whole crew, the whole team, bust through the walls of the house, fight the guys. Uh, Vanilla Ice gets punched in the face once. His homeboys throw the other dudes the thing. They get the kid back and uh, save the day, basically. And that's literally, that's, that's, that's what happened. A hundred percent. Also, uh, during their uh, travels on the bike at night, he's still wearing sunglasses and shorts. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, uh, and just no uh, regard for safety. Who wears sunglasses at yeah. night on a bike on a motorcycle? And shorts. You're gonna get road rash. You can't hey. fall down off a bike he with shorts care. on. He apparently, apparently, Vanilla Ice is too tough to chafe. Yeah, too legit to chafe. Dude, I wanted to see him in chaps. Uh, you could probably now. So. Uh, all right. I, I, I wanted to get to, like, the, the reasons that this movie is uh, an 8% on Rotten Tomatoes for me are ultimately because it's unclear what is happening. Yeah. I thought it was because I was tired when I was watching it, that it was like, you know, like I said, I felt very fever dreamish. Like, I would wake up and I was like, what's happening? This is real. Like, I had to look at the synopsis to see that the dad was in witness protection. Yeah, it didn't come to, it didn't even develop, like, sort of tell you anything about that until, like, maybe an hour and 20 minutes in the movie that was an hour and 30 minutes and long. all Vanilla Ice had to do at one point in the movie is say, I am a traveling musician. Yeah. No idea. Right? Instead, uh, Catherine Winslow on a date is like, so where are you coming from? It's not where you're from. It's where you're at. I'm like, just tell me anything. <laughs> this is the worst movie I've, I think I've ever seen. I mean, you like if you're trying to sleep with someone, you have to. You can li- you can lie, but you have to give a bio. You can't you just would, be like, I'm sure. a mystery. I am a walking syphilitic hard <laughs> <laughs> yeah. on. I'm like a like, fucking riddle trapped in a Bama, trapped in a fucking <laughs> Rubik's cube, trapped in a neon green fucking bike just useless conundrum yeah you can you can you could say something like you know it's really complicated i've i've come from a lot i'm from a lot of places yeah no he didn't say shit he just had these <laughs> he, he literally spent the whole movie saying one line things that made zero sense like non sequiturs yep yep, yep. <laughs> not where you're from where you at you ain't living for yourself you ain't living for nobody right she's like i'm confused <laughs> she's like you're different so uh so yeah i i can't ding the other actors that much because it's like Basically, there's nothing going on. They're rough sketches of characters, so uh, they had a really hard time breathing life into those characters. You think they could have pulled this off with just her and him? <laughs> the whole movie. <laughs> like those villains could have easily kidnapped the black book. Uh, just the whole thing didn't. It was now, ab- absurd. Some people make remakes of bad movie of good movies, sure. And I think that's terrible because like it's already good. I mean, Why Hollywood's are... doing that now ad nauseum, man. But, like, I would love to see a remake of this movie, honestly. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Who, starring who? That's, we could take, we could take any rapper. Any, if, if, if we need to make it, like, uh, color-coded, if we need to have a white rapper, we could remake it with Macklemore. <laughs> you could. And him and his crew are on Vespas. <laughs> it's... Really good. Yeah, I, I, I but wouldn't watch that, but yeah. I mean, I actually paid money for this for the first time in my life. Uh, oh, you rented it on YouTube? YouTube? I had no choice. All the, all, the, all the free cuts were garbage. Yeah. Um, so, and I, after that, like, all the suggestions, so I just got in, like, a YouTube hole and just started watching old Vanilla Ice interviews, uh, including, like, living color sketches of, like, Jim Carrey doing his one-up on him. Like, which the, are really more fun to watch in this movie by far. I gotta say, though, like, the movie ends with, a, with another concert clip. Uh, yeah, well, that, performing. It, he, and, he gets saves the day, gets the girl, does a uh, bike jump over the guy's Corvette that he beat up. Yeah, and then rides off, and then does a rap, and does a show with the girl dancing. And I'll, and he's a great dancer. Sure. Okay, the dancing is fine. He is a living cartoon character, 
And uh, you brought up Jim Carrey, and I know Jim Carrey did a great impression of Vanilla Ice. Sure. But it's like if Vanilla Ice just had a little bit more of a sense of humor around himself, yeah, he could have been like a like a Howie Mandel like star. Sure. You know, like they're like I watched this and I was like, oh man, like I could I could see this being something for little kids. One hundred percent. I mean, there's no appeal to an adult in any aspect <laughs> of any of this dude's career. So why not just you know get it. Yeah, yeah. Just get it and make money for another five years, clowning yourself, mm-hmm. and get out, man. Live your life, dude. You can retire at 30. Instead, you have to pretend to be, you know, overly talented, tough, and just all the shit that you definitely were not. Well, uh, what, what would it's you say? It's not where you're from. It's where you're at, homie. <laughs> what, would, what would you say? <laughs> it is. It is not where you're from. It's where you're at. It's where we're at. It's where you, be- where, where, where you were. People are like, what's up with you guys, man? It's yep, where yep. we're at. Greenpoint. Um, yeah. <laughs> Oh God! Uh, yeah, uh, wrap it up. I don't even know if we need to. It was watch it if you want to laugh at something, and then just turn it off after twenty minutes. There's no no need. Uh, I think the best thing to do is go on YouTube and just watch the clips on YouTube because the performances are fine. Uh, they're they're worth watching. Just him rapping. If you're weirdly dancing. nostalgic for like, yeah, bad white rap. But uh, the um. And and then again, uh, if you haven't heard other people rap, he's he sounds incredibly talented. Yeah. And then you put on a Rakim album, and you're like, oh, whoops. <laughs> you're like, Vanilla Ice must be killing it in Brussels right now, or in Copenhagen. Dude, you know what? Uh, I I think that he performed for Boris Yeltsin. Did he, he? Went on tour in Russia. Yeah. That doesn't surprise me. So you know, bringing it full circle. There you go. And that that's uh that's that. That's cool as ice. <laughs> All right guys, you're welcome. Get <laughs> out like polka dots and people will shout. Dirty words cause you're a nerd. I'm first to third. It's absurd to think that you heard better rhymes than these. I'm bringing sucker MC down to their knees. Tease your thoughts like a feather to a toe. Although the beat seems slow, my groove will still flow. My rhymes are so far art it makes your heart dance. Melodic tones move your mind to a quick trance. Every time I rhyme, I find the audience is mine. Caught by every line. Sparkle like a gem with a golden voice. Why do they love you, man? I'm the people's choice. Thank you for letting me be myself. I want to thank you. Uh, just thank you, baby. I want to thank you for letting me be myself. I want to thank you. Uh, just thank you, baby. Let's swing it. So sick like a leaf when you see me coming And frankly, you're better off running fast And don't look back, whack Go take a nap, get off the crack jack Crowds move by the sound of my golden voice Why do they love you, man? I'm the people's choice Thank you for letting me be myself I wanna thank you, baby I'm the people's choice <laughs>